0: Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I remember I was a junior in high school, and I walked up to my friends, Aaron and Brad, standing at their lockers. And I remember overhearing them talk about a party that they were having that I was not invited to. And I remember thinking, okay, maybe, just maybe they forgotten, maybe they forgot to invite, maybe they forgot to tell me, um, maybe, just maybe, that might be what's happening. And so... I waited, and throughout the entire day, and I have classes with both these guys throughout the entire day of school, not once did they say, hey, Jeremiah, we'd like to invite you. So I went home that Friday night. It wasn't a normal Friday night because I didn't have to work, so I ended up sitting on the couch with my little brothers and sisters watching TGIF's Fool House, the OG one. So we're watching that show, and I'm just waiting for my blue pager to go off with the 911 telling me, We forgot to invite you. But no, no invite. So I woke up Saturday morning, and in my home, Saturday was for chores, and we did chores, and I'm having to go out and pull weeds and do all that kind of yard work. But the entire time, I'm thinking, I missed out on the party of the year. Sunday morning, I'm at church because that's what good church boys do thinking I wonder if my friends remembered me at all. Monday I roll into school, and not one, not one thing is mentioned. Not one thing is spoken about Jeremiah wasn't invited, Jeremiah, you missed it. not one thing. Well, the reason why I wasn't invited was they knew I was a good church boy, and you don't invite good church boys to drinking and drug kind of parties. But the thing is, I still felt like I missed out. All they had to do was invite me. I might say no. Who knows what I would have said. But that invite. You see, we all are craving to be invited. We're all craving to have connection, to have community. We're all desiring to feel loved and to feel belong somewhere, aren't we? As a people, we we all want to know that somebody notices if we're missing. Somebody notices if we're not there. Somebody notices that, that maybe, just maybe, you didn't make it to that one thing. We're all hoping. And I wonder how many people in our lives are waiting for an invite to meet Jesus. I wonder how many people in our lives are waiting for an invite to meet the one that somehow got you through the hardest days of your life. I wonder how many people are one invite away from meeting our Savior, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that you have a great plan of doing great things in each and every one of our lives. Lord, you never do anything small. It's always big because you're a God. You are our God. You are the one and only God who does big, big things in a big, big way. And God, I ask that you would move in this valley today. Lord, that you would move in churches like CCV, you'd move in churches like Valley Life, and speak through Pastor Brian over there, and North Valley Community, and and Desert Breeze, and and here at City View Church, God, I pray that you would move. Lord, I pray that you would start a revival and start it in us. Start that, that desire and that passion and something, put something in us that where we realize we've got to share you with our friends and family, God, that we don't have much time. Jesus, I ask that you would speak to us and challenge us in your word today. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. All those people said, amen. Well, hey, welcome to City View. If you're joining us online, I want to say good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of, or whatever day you're watching, welcome. And I'm so glad you decided to join us. And if you're here in person, hi, how are you? I hope you're doing great. So I had, I had a, a sort of a bad thing last service. I'm allergic to grapes, Okay. I've known this since I got allergy tested, but I never thought it was that bad because I, I used to still eat them on occasion. Over the summer, though, I started eating them, and I had a reaction. So I thought, maybe I shouldn't eat grapes. I don't ever take the toast at a wedding because I know that if I drink any, any drop of wine, it's concentrated grapes. But I've never had a reaction to the Lord's Supper, to communion, because that's God's thing. But you see, God made my body allergic to grapes, so I take it this morning, and it's only that big of a cup, okay? You saw. And I turn to my wife, I go, honey, I think I'm having an allergic reaction right now. She goes, are you serious? Do you have any Benadryl? I said, no, I don't carry Benadryl with me. Somebody said, you should carry an EpiPen. (laughs) Yeah, I should. So she runs and finds me a Benadryl, and she gets it to me right after I do my whole story. And I take it, and I could feel like, I even now, Benadryl, so you know how Benadryl, for some of you, makes you tired? For me, it does the opposite. It heightens all my senses. Sort of makes me like Spider-Man. Um, my senses are raised. Like, everything is sort of, like, heightened. My energy level goes up. If I take it at night, I will not go to sleep. But that's how my morning is. So I didn't die. But, hey, if I want to invite you, come to our Good Friday service this week. I can't wait to share the word that God's put on my heart out of Romans chapter 8. Um, and just looking at how when God says, and, and he did not spare, yet yeah, he did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. And just looking at that passage, I can't wait for Good Friday. It's going to be a great service. It's just remembering Jesus. And then Easter is coming. Easter's coming. And Jesus is that day we celebrate his resurrection. So we're in this series called Who's Missing. The whole idea if you look around we have open space don't we we opened up our rows today if you didn't notice break every chain Um, but there's lots of room left we live in a city of over 7 million people and over 90% of them do not go to church if every church was full next weekend we wouldn't even grab everybody we live in a valley that desperately needs more churches, more godly men to lead congregations, more godly men and women to lead people, not men, men and women, to lead people and to tell them about Jesus. So we're in this, this I, I'm, we're looking at Luke chapter 14 today. If you have a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on Version Bible app, it'll be there, or I'm going to have the verses behind me. Luke chapter 14. Picking it up in verse 16, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus tells the story. He says, a man was giving a dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner, at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I have bought a new piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please, please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And the, uh, the third one, he said, I have married a wife for their, for that reason I cannot come. He's the only one who was rude and disrespectful to the inviter. The first two said, please. This one said, I don't even care. And the slave came back and reported to his master and then the head of the household became angry and he said to his slave go out at once to the streets and the lanes and the cities and bring here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame and the slave said master what you have commanded has been done and still there is room and the master said to the slave go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled for I tell you None of those men who were invited shall taste my dinner. So, Jesus, here in, in chapter 14, he's, he's telling these stories. And in verses 1 through 6, he tells the story about this, this super self righteous religious person that invites Jesus over for dinner. And while Jesus is having dinner, there's this poor man who has been sick with dropsy, a disease, for so many years. And Jesus tells him, it's on the Sabbath a day. You're not supposed to do any kind of work a day. Really, you're not supposed to even touch sick people. And Jesus says, is it wrong for me to do this? You see, here's what Jesus always does. Jesus always is, he's always breaking these three things. He's breaking social barriers, he's breaking um, racial barriers, and he is breaking economical barriers. That's what he's doing. He's breaking those barriers and so many things that he does. He is stretching people's faith. He's stretching their idea of how big God's love really is. That's what Jesus does all throughout scripture. When you look at Jesus, he's always making the religious uncomfortable. Always, he loves it, and I wonder if he just sat back and was like, "Man, I wonder how uncomfortable, how squirmy they're going to get today." That's what Jesus. You think some church you get uncomfortable, man? If Jesus preached on this stage, like, I, he, I, I would be uncomfortable. I'd be like, "Oh, that hurt, God." That yeah, I am lazy. Yeah, I don't do enough. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I, I feel like Jesus. He loves to make us uncomfortable because it's when we're uncomfortable that we can do some of the most amazing things. And so he first tells the story about how he was in this home and, and how they, they weren't welcoming to this poor man. Then he tells another story about how we shouldn't crave to be first. We shouldn't crave to have the, the places of honor. We shouldn't crave to be noticed, this, this, this prideful idea. He said, but we should crave to be humble and let somebody notice you. Let somebody invite you to have the seat of honor. Don't go and put yourself in a place that's not, and then Jesus tells this other story from the perspective of the host. The first story was the perspective of the guest. And now he tells it from the perspective of the host. Now in those days, when somebody would throw a party, you would only invite those that could throw a party equally as good as you. So you would only invite those who would invite you back to a party that might be better than yours. Here's an example. I invite you to my house for steak dinner. But I intend for you to invite me back to your house for an even better dinner. So you invite me now to your house for a steak and lobster dinner. And I tell you, I'm allergic to shellfish. Either way, it doesn't matter, but that's the truth. So don't ever invite me to eat shrimp and shellfish. You'll kill me. Um, And then I say, hey, you know what? Come come over to my house. I want to invite you to a dinner at my house. I'm like, man, how can you one-up me? He says, hey, I invited a chef. What do you want for dinner? Because I've got everything on the menu. And so that's the idea. Those are the only people that would be invited to the parties is those that, would, that could be invited that would invite you back. So that's that. All these people listening, they understood the story. They understood that the inviters, the ones you're inviting, they have to be worthy the invite. It's opposite in Jesus' economy. In Jesus' economy, you don't have to be worthy of the invite. You're invited for being you because he made you worthy. He made you that way. And so Jesus tells the story. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, and he says, a man was giving a dinner feast. He invited many, In the dinner hour, and at the dinner hour he sent out his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready. So in this story, you have two main characters. You have the host, and you have the slave. And what many theologians believe is as Jesus is telling the story, the host is actually a picture of God, desiring everybody to come into the kingdom of God. And the slave is Jesus, who the host sends out to go and do the inviting. So if you can picture this, as the Jews would understand this understanding, that the slave, the servant, was the one spoken of throughout the Old Testament that God is going to send, and that the host is God, and that he's inviting everybody to come into the kingdom of God, that they might have a saved, that they might have a changed life. And so that's the story. So the, ho- the, the slave, he goes out into the city, and he goes out and invites those, and what they would do is they would tell everybody, hey, please I want you to know, save the date. But they wouldn't tell them the date until the party is ready. Totally, you can't do that nowadays. Because our schedules are booked out months in advance. So they say, hey, Jeremiah, when can we meet? And I go, ah, in a few weeks. Because my schedule is crazy booked. And so that's this. But in those days, what would happen is somebody would, would, they would prepare the dinner, prepare the dinner. All of a sudden they'd say, okay, it's ready, now come. And everybody who was invited would drop what they were doing, and they would come. But not today. So then we pick it up in verses 18 through 20. It says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And the third one said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. We all give excuses, don't we? Anybody ever give a really dumb excuse? Anybody ever have your dumb excuse caught? Who? Who's ever had their dumb excuse caught? That's a terrible moment, isn't it? So in here, we see three different excuses, the first excuse, the person says, Excuse me, please, I must go. I have better things to do. You know, and it's like, But, you know, I would, but, I would, but, that, 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 that you name what your excuse would be. Or, I can't because dot, 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 you name the excuse that would be. Or I'd be there if, and how many of us, we give so many excuses on why I can't make it to church on Sunday, or or people on why they don't want to come, or we make all these excuses on why we don't want to serve, or why I can't help, or why I don't want to go. We have all these excuses. And God's like, I just want to use you. I just want to speak to you. I just want to speak life into your life. But we have these excuses that limit what God can do in our lives. Excuses on why we don't. And then the second guy says, hey, Jesus, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Here you got the person trying to save somebody else. and like, sorry, I'm too busy. And how many of us? know people that we've been trying, we've been praying, we've been inviting, we so desire to see their lives change, and they're just too busy. How many of us can be too busy to go and do and see God move in so many different ways? Whether it's serving in an outreach opportunity, reaching out into our community, I get busy, I get it. I was busy, I'm always busy, my life is full of busy. But we can be so busy with things that are not important that we miss the very things that are. busy. We're be so busy with, with these things. And this guy says, I'm too busy. He pretty much says, I bought a car that I haven't test driven yet. Who does that? I mean, unless you're rich, unless you're super wealthy and you can just do that and buy cars, which I can't do. I can't do that. I, I, I don't go. I still drive my 2006 Scion XB. Car gets me everywhere. But I wouldn't just go buy a car. just Now, there's other people, but Jesus is trying to tell these extravagant, these crazy ideas. They say, what, you, how, you have to go and test drive your oxen first? You already know they work. You bought them because they were good quality. You, you're making these excuses. And Jesus is talking was trying to get us to understand how many of us make excuses on why we don't want to live this kingdom kind of life. How many of us, we, we don't want to live this life that, is, that is, it can change so many lives and we make excuses. And so we have the first guy that says, I have better things to do. The second guy says, I'm too busy. And the third guy says, I have something more important. No, well, the third guy is actually the saddest. His priorities were wrong. You're like, but he's married. Yeah, this wasn't his first day of marriage. It's just he's newly married and he misses the whole idea of what his excuse is, i i i i have my priorities out of out of whack i need to focus on this when what his focus should have been is i need to invite my bride to meet the king and i wonder how many of us are priorities out of whack and are, we haven't even invited our kids to meet the king jesus because we're so busy, we can be so busy with work that we come home and we don't even spend that time. And I, I have to admit, I can do the same thing where I don't make Jesus a priority in my home. I make busyness and all these other things. And I have to check my heart constantly and make sure that we are not too busy to make sure Jesus is at the center of our lives at home. And this guy, he was so busy. His priorities were so out of whack. He didn't want to introduce his wife to the king. These excuses, these excuses that we can come up with on God, why? And and it's so sad. I I think I've shared this with you before, but the statistics say that a person who, the average person who goes to church goes 1.7 times a month. If you want to be fit and you only go to the gym 1.7 times a month, I bet you that's not going to work. If you want to do your homework and get good grades, and if you only do 1.7% of them, you're not going to get very good grades. Some of us, that's our relationship with God. It's 1.7 times a month. And you might say, hey, Jeremiah, whoa, you don't know how busy I am. Okay, it's fine. You make your excuse. These guys did too. You got yours. I'm just saying, I'm just preaching right now. I'm just sharing these guys' excuses. And we all have them. We all have excuses. And like my brother says, everyone has an excuse, and they all stink. They all stink. Nobody's excuse is a good excuse. I read this week, I read an article. It was a Barna study. Barna is a research group that, that was, they do research on so many different things. and They did research on if you were to invite somebody to church, what's the likelihood of them coming? So I don't remember how many in the study they, they, they questioned and they asked. But, but what the study showed is that of those who have any kind of church background, they understand a basic church, 52% of them would say no to an invite. That's our culture, 52%. And then of those who have zero church background, zero God, which yesterday I talked to a kid at a park, we just did an outreach at a park, I talked to a kid at a park who had never, ever even heard about God before. Junior high, seventh grader. Never heard about God. No church. Nothing. If that doesn't break your heart, I don't know what will. You've got something wrong with you. And I said, dude, you should come and check out youth group sometime. Gave him an invite. Told him whether he will or not. I don't know, but he's going to go to Greenway. And I will make sure my son finds that kid, Joshua. Joshua. I'm going to pray for him. But of those who have never had any church background, 73% would say no. That's the reality of this culture of American culture. Now you go in so many other countries and if you've never been outside of your own state or your own country of America God is moving in radical ways. In ways that I wish he would move here but I believe it's our fault he doesn't because we're too busy. Our priorities are out of whack. We have other things that are more important. But God is moving throughout the world. He is doing great things. He is moving in villages and communities where he's changing lives. So you may read this going, man, we're hopeless. No, that's just here in America. But imagine if the church actually got excited and we actually believed what we say. What we sang. And so Jesus, the host, the person of this story, he's like, he could have been like, oh, well, cancel the party. I guess nobody likes me. Anybody ever do that? You're inviting people and nobody wants to come. I wonder how many of you would do what Jesus does or God. God says, okay, here's God's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish and have everlasting life. That's the basis of God's heart. So when the first group declined, he didn't say, I quit. He said, let's go and invite more. That's what his heart is. His heart says, "I love the world. That I'm going to give the best gift ever." And so he tells his his slave, he tells Jesus, and it says in verse 21, "And the slave came back and reported this to him that nobody wanted to come." And then the head, the head of the household, the master of the home, the host became angry and said to his slave, "Go out at once. Be quick." into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled the blind and the lame and then the slaves said master what you have commanded has be done has been done and there still is room god went and said invite Invite those who cannot pay me back. Invite those who will never pay me back. And I love what it says. It says, he says, go quickly. There's an urgency on God's heart for the loss of this world. There's an urgency on God's heart for those who don't know him yet. Yesterday, my son accidentally left out our little French bulldog. My wife loves this dog. His name is Fitz. I think she loves him more than our kids. I don't know yet. But he, my son, opened the door and he booked it. And let me tell you when he came and said daddy Fitz got out my heart sank and I ran and I'm not a runner and I ran and I ran and there was an urgency in my heart I have to find this dog and God said Jeremiah it was this crazy crazy moment God said why aren't you urgent for the lost like that That's a dumb dog. I mean, it's an important dog, but all dogs go to heaven, right? And so, I just thought, man, I'm not, when I read this article, the thing I posted, I sat at my desk and I wept. Because that's the state and the city and the neighborhood I live in. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because if we have an urgency like God, God didn't say, well, I guess 73% will say no. God said, go and invite. And then he comes back, the servant comes back, he says, there's more room. He says, let's go and invite more. I don't want any room left. I want it packed. I want this party hopping. I want everybody inside. You look at God in the Bible, he's throwing parties throughout. You look at Revelation, it's the biggest party of all time. You eat for seven days. That's a party. I can't imagine eating for, have you ever been at one of those meals and the food is so good, somebody smoked a brisket and you're like, oh my goodness, why do I have to stop? It's going to be a seven day of no stopping, no gaining weight, no worrying about calories, you don't have to count it, no more keto. If you want to eat the bread, the the rolls that made, you know, you can eat it and that's, that's just going to be beautiful. And we see this master, and he says, okay, and says in verse 23, And the master said to the slave, go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. May be filled. Here we see the vastness of God's heart. We see how great it is, how he says, go into the dark places, go into the hidden places and compel. The word compel means to persuade them. And what he's meant here, he says, I know a lot of the people that you're going to invite are going to feel unworthy. I know the people that you're going to invite are going to feel too broken. Are gonna feel too dirty. Are gonna feel like God has hurt them. Are gonna feel like, like God has abandoned them. They're gonna feel like they have hurt me. They're gonna feel like I that like they there's no way I'd ever love them. The people that you're gonna invite, they're gonna feel like there's no way there's a God in heaven who could ever accept me. This word compel, it has this idea of to go and to remove any fears that might be hindering them from accepting. So you know what that means? It means this servant went and said, let me tell you about my master who loved me when I'm the most broken, who cared for me when I could not care for myself, who welcomed me when I was not welcome. That's my master. Come and see. Come and meet this Jesus, this God that loves you. That's what compel means. And so God says, go and compel. Compel them to come. Compel them to come. And so he goes and they come. And I want to encourage and challenge you. Who are you going to invite? Who's on your mind and on your heart? And you're like, you know what, I know. I've been inviting this friend for years and years and years. They're not here yet. February of 2020, right before the world stopped and everybody, everything happened. We had a service in here praying that God would give us this building. He didn't give it to us yet. Yet. But I had each person that came, we had about 220 people that came. I told everybody to write a name on a three-by-five card of somebody that doesn't know Jesus that they want to meet, that they want them to meet Jesus. So we had all of these pews; over 700 names were written. This place would be full. I know of two of those names that are already checked off the card and written in God's book of life. Okay? But that means we have 698 left, if there's an even 700. I'll call it even because it's easier math for me. I know my son Ezra, who's in second grade. He's inviting Nicole, who's in his class. And he might get in trouble for giving out one of these cards to somebody at his school. I'm okay with that. I know I'm going to invite some of my neighbors. I have their names. They're in my head. I'm not going to say them. but I have four neighbors I'm going to invite. We would hate for somebody to miss out on the biggest invite of their life. God says, go. I want it full. And maybe you are that person today. You are, today you were invited. And you never realize that the God of heaven wants you. You never realize that the God in heaven loves you. You see, next week we celebrate what is called Easter. And Easter is when we celebrate when Jesus rose from the dead. You see, every religion celebrates something. But the problem is you can only celebrate something to its fullest when it actually fulfilled what it said you know got Mohammed who many people celebrate and believe yet Mohammed is dead you have Buddha which many people believe and I know you guys can not like what I'm about to say but many people believe and they follow him and his teachings but guess what he's dead You have many people who who follow Mormonism and all of those, and that religion, and guess what? But Joseph Smith, their prophet, is dead. You have many people who believe and they follow Mary with a passion, Jesus' mom, but guess what? She's dead. And then you have the Hindu religion, which have gods after gods. And all those gods, what they do is they demand from you. They say, give, give, give. We want this. We want this. And I've been to countries. I've been to India. I've been to Thailand. I've been to countries where I've watched this worship of these gods where they're giving and they have nothing. And the God gives them nothing back. But Jesus, our God, is the only one where God said, son, will you die for the world so that they may have life? so that they might be forgiven of their sins, so that they might be set free, so they can be better moms and better dads and better better husbands and wives and better men and better women, so they can become the people that they so crave to be. Son, Jesus, would you do that for me? And it's only Jesus. He is the only God who not only died, but conquered death and rose again. So why do we celebrate? It's because we can celebrate a God who wasn't, he's not dead in the grave. I've been to Israel. I've seen the empty tomb. And guess what? It's still empty. He's still reigning in heaven. So why do we want to share? Why do we believe? Because he's changed my life. And I believe he can change yours. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And if you're in here today and you never had a life changed by Jesus... You've never realized that he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to do amazing things in you, but you realize it today. Pray with me. Bow your heads. Say, Jesus, I didn't know you did all that for me. I didn't know you died so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be set free from my guilt and my shame. Jesus, I didn't know that you rose from the dead, but I believe today And Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross and you rose again. Jesus, I ask that you would move in a powerful way this year. That we would see revival in our city. That you would do greater things than we could ever imagine or think. Jesus, I ask that you would stir in our hearts, put in our minds the name, the person that we are going to invite. And Lord, I ask right now that you would be, Lord, moving in their lives, and may they realize they need you because you are the only one who can satisfy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the City View app on the App Store.